Here we go. All right. Getting started here. Second Timothy, we, uh, we, this is our third week in Second Timothy. And today, what, we want, what I want to do, though, as we go through uh, these first few scriptures, we're going to take you into communion. We'll take you into a moment of communion here. A little bit different than we normally have done it in the past. And um, we're going to make sure that everybody that wants to uh, partake of communion this morning, that uh, you get that opportunity. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 through 14, let's start out there. And it says, always remember that Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. And this is the good news I preach. And because I preach the good news, I'm suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. Notice what we said earlier, freedom's not free. Uh, the same thing, when, we're, when we talk about freedom in Christ, it's not free. There are people uh, like the Apostle Paul who, who preached the good news but was enchained because of it. And, of course, Christ died for our freedom also. He says, so I am willing to endure anything if, if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those uh, God has chosen. This is a trustworthy saying, that if we die with him, we will also live with him. That means if we die with Jesus, we'll also live with Jesus. If our lives are given for him, we'll also live for him. If we endure hardships, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Uh, we, we don't want to deny the Lord. We want, to, we want to, uh, uh, to, to live with him and be faithful to him. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. He's still going to stay who he is as God. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. <clears throat> so here in 2 Timothy, we just got finished talking last week about uh, persevering and enduring through the fight, through the, hard, uh, the hardships of fighting for the gospel and for living for the Lord. We went over into Ephesians. We talked about the putting on the full armor of God and what that does for us in the fight. And this week, we're talking about Jesus and who he was and the importance of who Jesus was. And as, we were, as, as I was reading this and, and thinking, how do I want to go about this? And, and then I was like, you know, we can do communion. It's Memorial Day. We're, we're remembering those who have fallen, and we can remember Jesus who did fall for us. Praise God, he has risen again, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. But I, I, I was thinking about this, and we're going to deal with this more. I told you last week we're going to deal with some of this. We're going to be jumping over into Acts chapter 2 with some of this stuff too uh, to help us understand more what Paul was saying. Remember, Paul at this point is dying, or he's fixing to die. I mean, this is his last letter to us, and he's fixing to be leaving. And so he's, he's imploring Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, remember these things. Remember these things. Timothy, I am willing to preach it. I'm willing to die for what I have preached, and I want you to do the same thing. I don't want you to be unfaithful to the, to the Lord. I want you to be faithful to him. I don't want you to deny him because if you deny him, guess what? He's going to have to deny you before his father. That's what he said. I will deny you before my father in heaven. I don't want you to do that, Timothy. I want you to stay strong and I want you to stay firm and I'm encouraging you. Even though I know that my time here is short, I want to encourage you to continue on staying strong. Now, uh, this, is so, this is so interesting. If you had been in life's discipleship class, you would have thought that I was using some of that this morning. Because the question was asked this morning, why do we need other Christian brothers and sisters? I'm paraphrasing. But why do we need them? Why do we need those relationships? 
And one of the things we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks is why we need those relationships. And what is very interesting is in the early church, it was all about relationship. Uh, and, and today, I know relationships are a little bit different because it's Snapchat, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's you name it, WhatsApp, whatever, you know, whatever you're using, that's, that's relationship. We have uh, the younger generation, they sit around the table, they talk to each other on their phones while they're faced to face, but they're sitting here talking to each other on their phone. They can't communicate without an emoji. We have to put likes on everything. You know that Instagram is, is, has, did a trial period in Canada taking away the like button off of it, the heart button or whatever it is on Instagram. They took that off of there to see how would people react if they took that away. Because, you know, we, we, want, we want people to like everything that we do, right? We, we, that's where we get our satisfaction. And we're just messing our minds up because we have, you know, Instagram and Facebook and, and, and Twitter and all this. Did somebody, did somebody retweet my thing? Did they, did they share? Who did it? Oh, you know what? There are people who get mad because, you know what? My friend didn't like my post. Let me tell you something. If I don't like your post, it's probably because I haven't been on Facebook in five days, okay? I'm sorry. That's probably what's going on. And if I was on Facebook, I'm trying to figure out what all has been posted in Facebook since the last time I was on there. But we do that, right? That's our relationships. But, but this, and this is a, really a, a young phenomenon. All of you people that are under 20 years old, I know y'all don't know what, what it's like to not live in a world of cell phones and live in a world of, of communication at any point, at anywhere, at any time. You know, we just switch from one provider to another because I'm all over the state, and this one provider was just, oh, man, I, I like their customer service, and I called them. I said, I love your customer service, said, but your reception in Arkansas is just so bad I can't do it. So I had to switch to this other provider and, and, and go over there. And now I'm running around, and, and I thought, how funny, how funny. When I got my first cell phone, you had to stay on I-30, and you had to stay on the interstate because I had Sprint at the time back in the day before I met Christy. And you had to, that's the only way. You had to be close to the interstate to get reception. And now I'm complaining because I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I can't get reception, so i got to change carriers to a carrier that would give me reception out there. You know, it's amazing where we've come. The same thing with instant society, right? You know, we instantly get a gratification from somebody liking our stuff. Or how about instant gratification because we go to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or something else, and if it takes more than two and a half minutes, we're mad because we need our food now. I've said this all along. We, we don't even plan anymore. We just leave. We leave church and go. Then we go call somebody and go, hey, where are you going to lunch? Where, where are you going to lunch today? Well, we're just a church together. You couldn't ask that question there. But we're an instant society. We, don't, we wait to the last second. Now, now, now give it to me. The, the business that I'm in, the same way. They, they said, uh, it's paint business, right, mostly. Sherwin-Williams, mostly paint business. And I've talked to the managers. I says, man, since, you know, we do deliveries, all, you know, for free for our, our, our commercial customers. So it's gotten so bad, they'll call me that morning and say, hey, I need X amount of gallons of paint, and I need, you know, but they know that, that we've got people that do it, but since it costs us more money to have to go do all these things. Everything's instant. We've got to have it now. We've got to have it now. Well, we go back 20 years, it was different. We go back 40 years, it was different. But if we go back to the time right after Christ had ascended to heaven, it was even more different. And we've seen such a shift in our churches. I mean, we, we've changed so much in the way our churches are done even. But I want to go back to what it was like to be taking communion and remembering what Paul had just said, remembering that he had died, that Jesus had died and resurrected. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, it says, All believers 
devoted themselves. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's four things here, and we're going to be talking about these four things over the next week or two or three, however long it takes us, uh, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, and to prayer. And so today, we're going to be talking to sharing in meals, which includes the Lord's Supper, all right? Uh, Today, when we take communion at most churches, what you do is you have somebody either passes a plate around, some of the larger churches, uh, you may go to a station and get your communion. Uh, Some churches now, they have them, they come in the cup and then the little wafer's on top and you tear the top off, take your wafer out and rip the other thing, you take your communion that away. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, that's just really weird when you hear everybody go, that just sounds, sounds a little bit weird to me. I've done it, but <clears throat> I said, I hope I don't ever have to do that in our church, no matter how big we are. So there's different ways that we take communion. But what is interesting is back then, they took communion in a much different way. Let's finish reading this scripture here in, in Acts. He said, a, di- a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Notice what I said. They shared everything they had. They had it all in common is what the Bible says. They sold their property, possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. One thing I would like us just to kind of keep in the back of our head over the next few weeks is every day the Lord added to their number. Today we have organizations and church growth uh, manuals and training books and everything, and I'm going to tell you that the, the vast majority of them don't deal in this right here. They don't deal in this right here. How did they do it? There was four things that the church was doing adding to, to their fellowship. But one of the things they were doing, they were getting together and they were eating and they were uh, breaking bread together. They were, remember, they were remembering the body and the blood of Jesus. Now think about this. When Jesus was, was about to die, he got together with the apostles in the upper room. And if you read in John, there's a, there's a lot of conversation that went on. And a lot of times when we take of, of communion, we just talk about the one thing that happened, right? They, they, they broke the bread and, and they, they drank of the of the fruit of the, the vine there. But there was a lot that was said there. But I want to take us, um, first off, I want to take us to, to uh, let's, let's skip that Corinthians 1 and go to the Luke chapter 22, verse 14 through 20. Luke chapter 2, 22, verse 14 through 20, and it says, When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table, and Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. So the first thing is, Jesus didn't just sit down and have some bread and some juice. They sat down to eat together. Now, something interesting, for those of you who don't know, they didn't sit in chairs, they sat on the floor. They sat together, they sat close to each other on the floor, around a table. It was a very intimate, when you would, when you would get around and sit down, it's a very intimate time. You, I mean, you're touching each other, and you know. They didn't have knives and stuff like we have. They couldn't do those kind of things like we can do today. But they sat around, and if you've ever seen a picture, the, the painting of the picture of all the 12 disciples and Jesus sitting, they weren't all sitting facing the same direction, okay? That was so that you could see all of them. They would have sat around this table together, 
They would have been chit-chatting and talking, and they would have had food. Now, they would have had the Passover supper, which had specific, uh, specific food in this supper. But here's what's interesting. Jesus says, hey, you know, I've been excited and been waiting to have this meal with you. I think it's interesting. Jesus knew he was going to die. He knew what this meant. But he was excited to celebrate and share this Passover meal, understanding that he, remember what the Passover was? The Passover was when the death angel came over uh, the Egyptian and, and killed all the firstborn of the Egyptians. It was the 10th the and final plague uh, when Moses was there. And, then pass, and to, to pass over, they had to kill a lamb. And they had to spread the blood on the doorpost so that when the death angel came over, he would pass over and not kill them, not kill the firstborn. So now Jesus knows that what he is about to become, he's about to become the forever Passover lamb. He's about, his blood is about to be shed so that we can have freedom. Remember what we said? Freedom is not free. He was, he's, he's, now his blood is going to become that purifying thing that, that purifies us, takes the sin out of our life and changes us and makes us new and takes a black, dirty, sinful person and turns it into white in glory so that one day that we could step into the kingdom of heaven and we can be accepted because no sin can enter the kingdom of heaven. So how do we do that? It's by the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus washes us and makes us white as snow. And so one day when we get to heaven and, and, and the Lord says, why should I let you into my kingdom? You can say, I got the blood of Jesus on me. He goes, oh, yeah, that's the ticket right there. That's the key. That's the only thing that you need to do to get to heaven was to have the blood of Jesus on you. And so he says, hey, so they're sitting around, they're having a meal. He says, I've been eager to have this Passover with you. He says, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks to God. And he said, take this and share it among yourselves. So they began to drink. They were eating. He prayed over the food. We pray over our food. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given to you. Do in remembrance of me. So they're sitting there eating, and he takes the bread, and he breaks it open, and then he starts handing it out. He says, hey, when you, you, uh, every time you do this, notice he said, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let me ask you, when was the last time you sat around with somebody you, a couple other people, you're sitting around a table and you're beginning about to eat. And maybe you got some bread there, for instance. And you said, you started to break that bread apart and you say, hey, let's remember Jesus' body. So here's what's interesting. Everybody thinks you got to be in church to have communion, to partake of communion. The Bible says they were, they were partaking of communion at, at the temple, synagogue, and they were partaking communion at home too. They'd get together to eat in the evening times. They would get together every day of the week. The church would get together all the time. When I talk about relationships back then and how different we had become in the church, the church got together every day back then. So they had all in common. They got together and hung out all the time, and they were studying the Scriptures, and they were doing all these things, and they were remembering Jesus. That's how important it was. Why? It was so new. It was so new to them. Sometimes we take communion and it's just old hat, right? It's just something we did. Oh, yeah, we do it. Okay, yeah, we remember Jesus. But to them, 
Man, how many of them had sat there and watched Jesus be crucified? How many had talked to Jesus or seen him before he was ascended into heaven? They knew. And when they took this, they pulled this apart, they would remember, they would remember the disciples were sitting around with Jesus. And could you think about that? And you go, man, when Jesus told the disciples, I was talking to Peter the other day, and he was telling me the story about this. And so every time the church would get together, and they would maybe be at a house, or they'd be at the temple, and they were breaking bread together, and they would remember, hey, let's remember Jesus. Now, when we go out to eat, when we uh, eat at home a lot of times, what we do with our kids, so we don't have to fight over who prays, we just say, thank you, Jesus, for the food, amen. And there's nothing wrong with that. But what if we step back a little bit, and when we sit down in our blessing over our food, we go, wait a minute, the bread that is about to be broken here, can we remember Jesus? And what we're going to drink, uh, yeah, maybe it's, not, maybe it's not grape juice, but what we're about to drink, let's just, let's just remember Jesus' blood. What if we did that with our families? What if we did that with each other? How different would, would life be if we were in constantly thinking about Jesus? And this is the way they were. They were doing it constantly because when they would get together to eat, they would do that. Now, when uh, this is the scripture, go uh, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 through 34. This is the scripture that you will normally hear read when you take communion. Is this scripture right here? And it's a great scripture. And he says, but in the following, uh, in the following instructions, I cannot praise you for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and, it, and, and to some extent I believe it, but of course there must be divisions among you so that you, will, you who have God's approval will be recognized. But when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal and without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. So I want to read this first part here to help us understand. Again, they would get together and there would be food there. And instead of them putting the focus where it was supposed to be at the time, when they come together for communion, their focus was elsewhere. I'm hungry. I want something to eat. And, you know, and so I'm going to go get my food. Anybody ever go to the buffet and make sure and feel your plate up a little extra? (laughs) You know, you're a little hungrier, you know. Well, they were doing this with the Lord's Supper. They go, I'm hungry. Listen, they didn't have McDonald's back then, okay? There wasn't no Chick-fil-A back then. When they had food... Somebody spent time cooking this food, whether it, was, whether it was bread or whether it was vegetables. Whatever. Somebody spent time putting this together. It wasn't instant. And so when there was food there, oh, I'm hungry. And so they were getting food. There were people that were going hungry because of it. People weren't even getting to eat regular food because they were doing it. They, they, were, they were making it look bad because they were focusing on, on their physical pleasure instead of on the spiritual aspects of it and how they could, and then on top of that, how they could help other people. And then, what's the other physical? They were drinking to a point that they weren't supposed to be drinking. They were drinking and getting drunk, and they weren't supposed to be doing this. So Paul was not happy with these guys. And so he said, what, do you, don't you have your own homes to eat and drink at, or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for doing this. For I want to pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread. So he says, all right, you have turned this into something it's not supposed to be, so what I want to do is I want to pass on tonight. I want to pass on to you 
exactly how it was that night. I want you to understand what it was like that night. So what, what I've done this morning is I've set this up, and we're all going to, to have communion this morning. But I'm going to ask some people to come up, if they'll come up and, and sit here with me. Um, Will, will you come and sit right here? You'll sit right here. Sister Tina, can you come sit over here for me? Okay. Connie, why don't you come sit over? Can you come sit over here? So they sat around a table together, and they were discussing things. They would discuss things. They would talk. They would encourage each other. They would, because remember the persecution they were going through. Do you realize that it was 300 years after Jesus' ascension before people had their own church? Around 300 years. So they'd meet at homes. They'd meet in the temples. But remember, the temple wasn't for them. The temple was for the Jews. So they didn't have their own church like we've got today. This is a blessing, folks. There's other countries you go to, you don't even have this right here. You don't have this much right here. You go into Africa, all over Africa, and they've got, uh, they've got places where they've got concrete, poles, and a top. No seats. They go and they have church for two or three, four hours straight. Nobody sits down. Nobody leaves because they just want to just be hearing the word. They want to be praising. They want to be together. And so it was the same with them. They were going through, they were going through hard times. And they struggled. Nero was killing people left and right. The Romans didn't like, the, like things. You know, they were all in, in charge. Remember how they beat Jesus up and they crucified Jesus? I mean, the Romans just did a number on, on Jesus because they loved doing it. They were, they were mean people. And so they would get together. And I told you a testimony earlier, and, and I, another one would sit there, and they would tell a testimony. I mean, I was, I tell you what, let's get a testimony. Y'all want a testimony? Can we have a testimony from Prayer Walk yesterday? course. Yesterday, um, Harmony was the only one that was able to go with me yesterday, and that was such a blessing. She was really, really amazing, and so many people were stopping and saying, oh, she is so precious, you know, and and, because she just loves people and wants to pray over them, and we met some ladies that were actually Christians, and they go to another local church, and um, a couple of them were just really struggling. One of them had issues at work, and the other one just had lots of things she needed God to do for her in her life. So we got to pray and believe God with them, and they were just so blessed. They, at some point, they stood up, and, and one of them said, well, let's, like, just hold hands. Is that okay with you? And I was like, of course. <laughs> so, you know, we just made a prayer circle and prayed over them in the pavilion and God was God was there. He always meets us. And he's always there for us wherever we go. You know, whether it's on the job or going to the grocery store or walking through the park. You know, he Jesus is so real and he's so precious and he wants us to reach out to people that we just meet every day. And that's just supposed to be a part of our daily just our daily walk with him. So they'd sit around and they would tell what God had done, testimonies of miracles, of healings they had seen take place, maybe something that was going on, or maybe they had a prayer request, right? And they'd sit around, the what'd they say? They were giving themselves to prayer. 
to uh, studying. They'd sit around and study the Word together, and then they would eat. But while they were eating, they wouldn't forget what was important about the food. And what was important was that Jesus had bled and died, and his body was broken for them. And so what... Can you hold this a second? So what we're going to do here today, and for those of you who don't feel good about people touching your food, I did, I did uh, use some of that on my hands. So. But Jesus broke this, and he, and he handed it to those that, that, were, that were with him. And they also, they also had drinks to remember his blood. And this is what they would do. And I I think that uh, as they would go around, they would talk and they would say something about what the Lord did personally in their life to remember. Will, can you give us something that the salvation that that God's done in your life? Absolutely, yes. Prior to me coming to Christ, I was a selfish man, driven by success and would not not stop at anything to, to achieve that level of success. Little did I know I was only achieving man's dream for me. The world says I have to have. You know, the blood of Jesus that transformed my heart is really, I found full, full fulfillment in that and what it really means to live a life of contentment. See, Jesus, you're all I need. God has changed my life because of that. I see things through a clear set of eyes. It is because of that that I am here and, and take this bread as remembrance of him. Um, I would just say that I'm just so thankful that God is always faithful and he hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. And as many of you know, my son-in-law, Vince, who moved here with us just a few years ago, um, I was just so blessed to tears. My daughter, Ashley, which is his wife, was out of town. And uh, Friday, we had dinner together. We prayed together before dinner. And after dinner, we opened the Bible and we share God's word together and just shared uh, what was going on in our lives. And um, it's just been an answered prayer and so thankful for the prayers that my brothers and sisters in Christ lift up to the Lord when requested and just so thankful that God is faithful to hear our prayers and answer our prayers in his way, in his time, and just trust that You know, he sees the big picture. He sees around the corner. It's not what we see. It's not what's before us. It's, um, I'm going to see if I can remember this quote from Catherine Coleman. It was, um, let me think here for a minute. It was, stop believing in what you see, but start seeing what it is that you believe. And uh, so I was just, I'm just super thankful for God's faithfulness and his love and his promises.
So in um, whenever we take, we need to remember that this is not um, th- this is not something to do for food. It's not what we're doing it for. It's not for phys- physical s- sustainability. It's it's because we want to remember Jesus. We want to remember what He did in our life. And here's the deal. If you don't know Jesus. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to him this morning. And if you do know Jesus and you've got some things that are not right, here's what he said. If you read down past, he says, uh, examine yourselves. We would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. Um, he said, and I skipped, I apologize. He says, <clears throat> that's why you should examine yourself before eating your bread and drink cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So if you have something in your life that is not pleasing to the Lord, this is an opportunity to talk to him about it and say, God, I'm sorry. This is your opportunity. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. It's a hard thing to do. The Bible says if you can't forgive your brother, you can't be forgiven. I don't know what's in your life. I don't know what's in your life, but right now I want to give you an opportunity. So if you don't know Jesus, here's what I want to do. Out of respect of each other and the Lord, let's just bow our heads, can we? If you don't know Jesus, all you have to say is, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I want my life to be changed. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. And I know that one day you're coming back for those who are faithful to you. So, Lord, please forgive me and take away those things in my life that are unpleasing to you. I want to serve you. Be my Lord and Savior. And if you have something else in your life right now, you need to ask the Lord to reveal that. And then you need to ask the Lord to forgive you. Lord, if there's anything in our life, I pray that you'll give us an opportunity right now, Lord, to talk to you. Let you know that we're sorry. We do not want to take of the bread or of of the vine, Lord, without asking you to forgive us. We don't want to do it unworthily. God, we don't want to do it unworthily. Jesus, what you did on the cross for us was amazing. It was powerful. It was selfless because you cared about us more than you cared about anything else. God, just forgive and restore us to the right place. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you if you would just, if you want to take communion, nobody's judging you if you don't want to take communion, that's, but we, we do open communion here, meaning you do not have to be a member of our church. 
But if you'll come down and, and grab you a, uh, get you a cup and get you some bread, and then if you'll sit back at your seat, and then we'll take together after everybody has had an opportunity, okay? We don't have any age limits on, on taking communion either. So the disciples didn't really understand what was going on that night. But they would understand later. And they made a big deal out of it. That night, Jesus took the bread and he says, This is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you eat, I want you to remember me. So Lord, we just remember your body. Remember what you did for us by taking the stripes on your back. And because of your stripes, the Bible says we are healed. Lord, I pray for healing to occur in this place today. Lord, people who have physical healing, I need physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing. Lord, I pray that it will occur in this place this morning. Lord, as we take and remember the stripes that were on your back, go ahead and take the bread. In like manner, he took the cup. When you look at this cup, you remember me and my blood, he said. The blood that had to be shed so that we could all be free. So that the chains of bondage that were on us could be broken and tore down. And we drink, we remember Jesus' blood. Lord, thank you for your blood. Thank you for your blood. No longer does death. The Bible says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? There is no victory for death. For the battle is fought and won through the blood of Jesus. The victory is ours. Thank you. Go ahead and drink. Anytime, whether you go to our church or any church or anywhere or at home, dads, I encourage you. Moms, I encourage you. If you're single moms, I encourage you. Do communion with your families. Find time to do communion with your families. When you get together, Christians, when you get together, remember 
what makes you so special? That you're saved and you've been sanctified through the blood of Jesus. That you have a Father who loves you no matter what. He gave His only Son for you. So I want you to remember that today. God, I just want to thank you for this time. I love being with other Christians, and I love being in your presence. I love being in church. And Lord, I just pray as we leave here today that we'll remember you this week, this memorial weekend, Lord, that we'll remember that you died, that you gave it all for us as we remember those who have fallen, who have given it all for our freedom here in the United States of America. So, Lord, I just going to give you glory. I pray for safety on every person in this place and safety on all of our people that are out, Lord, right now traveling. Some are even out of the country, God. I just pray that you'll just touch them and keep them safe. Lord, let the joy of the Lord be our strength. God, our path. God, our direct, direct us in everywhere we go. And we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name.